Where'd he go? Oh, hey, I need your help. Out in the lobby, we've got like a, a little cabinet, and on the bottom of the cabinet, there's a like a manger scene with a little baby Jesus in a little manger. Can you go grab baby Jesus for me? Bring him in here. All right. Now, don't grab a shepherd too tall. Don't grab a wise man too far away. Don't grab a donkey. You got to watch that kid. And come on up. You want to read from right there? All right. First, I need baby Jesus. Yes! Whoa, I didn't know he wiggled. I hear him. All right, King's Kids, if you are in second grade on down, we've got a junior church service for you if you'd like to go with, to that. We're always okay when kids decide to stay in with the big people. That's okay, but you're free. All right. You hanging out with me today, Junior? You staying here or you going over there? They have snacks. Okay, he's going. He had to be ordered. That's not, that's not normal. Uh, Anne has our reading this morning. Today, we light the candle of joy. First, we started with the candle of hope. And last week, we did faith. And this week, joy. Go ahead, Anne. Simeon and Anna like many others, waited a long time for the coming Messiah. And they were filled with joy when they met the boy at the temple. But John the Baptist was filled with joy about the coming Messiah, even in the womb. Luke 1, 45. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she proclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. For why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my loom, womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And when Jesus was born, the angels declared that it was cause for great joy. To be perfectly honest, when Pat asked me to present this week, I told her I would read what she wrote, but I couldn't write about joy. Yesterday, she shared that she was not well and told me she hadn't written anything but would try her very best. And then it came to me that writing it was exactly what God wanted me to do because I had to search the, the scriptures for joy, and I found it. There is a distinction between happiness and joy. Do not be confused about being happy and being joyful. Hebrews 12:2. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Certainly Jesus wasn't happy about going to the cross, but the joy that waited for him on the other side of that suffering sustained him. Scripture reminds us also that true joy comes from trusting God. Romans 15, 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy 
and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Joy is Alice running in this morning <laughs> to hug me. Every Sunday, she runs in with joy all over her face. Joy is Taylor and her laughter running down the hallway. Joy is the face of Sawyer and Silas when they see their grandma and grandpa. And the joy in Mark and LaDonna's face as well. So let us remind ourselves that happiness and joy are two very, very different things. And even in the midst of our losses and our pain and our suffering and our struggles, that we can have joy. We have to have joy. And God understands when we're not happy. But he still can provide that joy for us. Amen. Happiness and joy are both good things. Happiness is the uh, breath mint. And joy is the Thanksgiving dinner. They're both good. It's usually the kids, the immature, who down the whole thing immense while you're sitting there in church and you're happy to keep them quiet. That doesn't fill you up. Gives you a good breath, maybe a little sweetness. We like happiness. We like, we like mints. That won't sustain you for the long haul. Joy is the full course meal. Appetizer, soup, salad, meat, potatoes, vegetables. Just enough with just enough room for dessert. Where you partake of a lot of good things. And you look back on the day and you're grateful for the meal. And you forget about the mint. You forget about what you had <laughs> while you were at church. And you remember what you had as a family. And that's why the word joy is really important. It, it, the Bible talks about joy. It's on a very different level than, than we naturally think of joy. It's bigger than we realize. Because it's not, it's not just a word with a definition and a book. The fullness of joy is Jesus Christ. Him. And that's why if we have a proper fear of the Lord... We understand the holiness of God. We understand His place. We understand His power. He created all things. He made all things. And all things were good. It should kind of scare us. Like, because we're not good. But Jesus steps in and says, He will be good on our behalf. A proper fear of the Lord leads to joy in the Lord because in Christ we don't need to be afraid God is still everything that makes everything tremble but we have a different trembling now because we're not afraid to draw near we are not afraid to worship write this down in your notes the proper fear of the Lord transforms 
anxious sinners into affectionate saints. Proper fear of the Lord changes us. We're not anxious, we're not nervous about God and spiritual things. We're not afraid of death. We don't have anxiety over pain and suffering the way everybody else does. We are transformed into affectionate saints, people who have a deep love for God. Great Master, what is the greatest commandment? Somebody asked Jesus. Love the Lord your God. Well, you're not going to love Him correctly until you understand who He is. Who you, and how you understand Him is going to change you. He's big. You're going to spend the rest of your life getting to know who God is. He wants to help you with that. That's what this book is about. It's not a book of do this, do that, don't do this, and don't do that. It is a book that tells us who God is and how that changes history one person at a time. Turn in your Bible to Psalm 47. Eric read through Psalm 47 for me this morning. We're just going to read a, a couple of verses here at the beginning. I have a lot of scripture uh, to support this idea of joy, but we're also going to end in Psalm 47. The proper fear of the Lord transforms anxious sinners into affectionate saints. And I reworded that. Here's, here's another way to say that same thing. The next slide. True belief carries us from fear and dread into fear and love, which leads to eternal joy. When we have a proper understanding of who God is, love Him the right way, it becomes more than a day-to-day -day happiness. It becomes a meal that we feast on for eternity. That's the power and the strength and the size and the scope of who God is. He gives us substance. Psalm 47, verse 1. Clap your hands, all peoples. Shout to God with loud songs of joy. For the Lord, the Most High, is to be feared, a great king over all the earth. And that's a little bit of a surprising way to talk about God to me. I, I didn't grow up learning this about God. It's new. Shout to God with loud songs. Yeah, that makes sense. God is good. God is great. It says songs of joy. And then the next line, the Lord is to be feared. That's fascinating to me. That joy and fear are mixed in this psalm. That's helpful for understanding, not only understanding joy, the seriousness of joy, but also the, the goodness of fearing the Lord properly. That's why the fear of the Lord can lead to joy. They go and can go hand in hand. In your notes, in the presence of the Lord, all the saints tremble. We know this. We've been covering this for a few weeks. We've been reading many passages about the fear of the Lord causing the saints to tremble. This is trembling 
not because we are afraid, trembling with anticipation. Trembling because we are thinking of our Redeemer, remembering what He's done for us. There's a healthy trembling. All the saints tremble in the presence of God. That's the fear of the Lord, and it's a good thing. Here's another twist. In the presence of the Lord, write this down, all of creation trembles. All of creation trembles. It's also with anticipation. It's also with worship. Well, Craig, Pastor Craig, how can a rock praise God? How can a mountain, a tree, a bird, an animal praise God? By doing what he called them to do. And if we don't praise God, they will have a voice. God will always be glorified by his creation. It's our job to do it. God can make them do it. Have you not read of Balaam and his little donkey? Have you not read about a supernatural star appearing in Bethlehem? All creation follows God's orders. All of it. It trembles. In Isaiah chapter 6, a prophet has a vision of God in heaven in his throne room. And the Bible says in Isaiah 6, the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called. God's power and presence shakes heaven. Nahum, another minor prophet. Nahum chapter 1 verse 5 says, the mountains quake before him. The hills melt. The earth heaves. The world and all who dwell in it. This is how all creation reacts in the presence of God. That's its nature. He is everything. We are created. And we tremble in his presence because he is all and all. He has all power, all authority. His voice, his presence shakes everything. Creation doesn't tremble in fear. Hebrews 12, 6 is talking about God's presence at Mount Sinai when God was talking to Israel through Moses. Hebrews 12, 6 says, God's voice, His voice, shook the earth. And now He has promised, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The heavens and the earth are shaking and trembling with exultation and anticipation and celebration at the near coming again of Jesus Christ. Creation is eagerly longing and looking forward to God coming back and fixing everything. Romans 8, 19 through 22. Here's a summary. The creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. The creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole of creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. Creation is trembling and cannot wait for Jesus Christ to come back. 
what about you? We need to be trembling like that. When we take the time to read God's word, when we take the time to pray quietly and really think about what we say we believe, it should fire you up. You're on the winning team. There's no enemy that can stand against you. Satan is defeated. Death has already been conquered. The price has been paid. You're already redeemed. You're already sealed. And the Holy Spirit is God's guarantee that He's coming back for you. No matter how you feel, no matter what you go through, He's not done until He says He's done. And there is a future and a hope for the people of God. A future and a hope for creation. And we tremble with excitement and joy. That He's coming back. He hasn't forgot us. He's coming back back but there's a third trembling in the presence of the Lord all the wicked tremble this is fear of judgment where the righteous have a healthy fear or a proper fear the wicked have an improper fear they're afraid for the right reasons but they shouldn't be afraid and so their fear is their own fault. God has made a way. God has provided. The wicked don't have faith in Jesus, and so they have to bear their sin on their own. And it is a terrible thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. Well, why would God be angry? I thought He was a God of love. He is, for God so loved that He gave you a way out of His wrath. That's what Jesus represents we, we have this little baby here. We celebrate that God gave. And He continues to give. But that's not all He gave. It's, it's not where He planned the story to end. It's not where we want the story to stop. It's supposed to go a step further, several steps further. And faith. He has to do something. He has to make the fullness of the sacrifice that is needed. We don't worship a baby. We worship a crucified, buried, resurrected, empty cross-leaving Savior who is now at the right hand of God, ruling and reigning. There's good reason why the wicked should tremble. You should be afraid of that. And nothing you do is going to undo. <laughs> Revelation chapter 6 captures the mindset and the response of the wicked on the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is when Jesus returns. Listen to what Revelation 6 says. They will hide themselves in the caves and among the rocks. Fall on us. Hide us from the face of Him who is seated on the throne from the wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of their wrath has come, and who can stand? Every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that Christ is Lord. So the second coming of Jesus, it will cause saints, it will cause creation to have a joyful fear of the Lord and tremble with anticipation. But the wicked are going to tremble as they perish. 
So we have presented in all the pages of Scripture, God presented as creator and judge, and God also presented as redeemer and savior. Write that down. God is presented as creator and judge, but he's also presented as redeemer and savior. And, and redeemer and savior, that's not just New Testament. Abraham, in the old, the thick of the first book, it is God who is his treasure and his salvation. Not his sacrifices, it's his faith in that God. It's always by faith. But we all have to make a shift. It's not enough to say you believe in God. Anybody can believe that. You can look out at the stars, see your insignificance, see your smallness, see order in creation. That, that's not enough. I believe there is a God. That's a good place to start. But you should know He's going to judge all things. That should strike some holy fear into your soul. Because you're not Him. You're not perfect. You've lied, you've cheated, you've stolen, you've deceived. You've thought of yourself more than you've thought of others. Maybe not all the time, but if God is perfect and you're imperfect, you only need to be imperfect once. And you're a sinner. We need to progress to where he also becomes our redeemer and our savior. And that's personal. Your mama can't do that for you. She can't make him your redeemer. I was sprinkled as an infant. I'll tell you what, it did squat for me. I grew up lying, thieving, stealing, coveting. And I was good at it because, you know, Grandma thought I was the good kid. I got good grades. I stayed out of trouble. Never suspended. No detentions. Honor roll. My heart was dead. Dead. With selfishness and pride. When God showed that to me, I was scared to die. I was afraid of death. I did not want to die because I had no idea where I was going to go. I had no idea where I was going to spend eternity because I had an understanding that, you know, there's more to life. There's got to be more than life, to life than this. And then I met Jesus. And God gave me a way out. He gives me hope. And he gave me a joy that went beyond myself because I, I still struggle with sin. It doesn't ever go away. But your hope changes. And the way you live your life changes. You live by faith. And that changes the way you do things. You see, some things are wiser than other things. You see, God is better than all things. And it changes you. Where are you on that spectrum? You just believe God made everything? Do you understand that he's a judge? Do you see him as a redeemer? And is he your savior? We have to go through that progression. Because the second coming of Jesus is real. Like, <laughs> when my sermon took this turn this week, I was like, That's, this is not a very good Christmas message. We're talking about hell and the wicked and judgment. And I'm like, okay. That's because, next line, write this down. Hell is a world of fear. That, that's why I had to go here. Hell is nonstop, everlasting fear. The absence of God forever. 
Sin has made the world a place of terror and fear, and hell is a place of unrelieved fears. Unrelieved fears. It's, it's terrible. All the descriptions in the Bible of hell are like, I don't want to go there. I don't want to be part of that. Well, how could, and then we, then we come up with questions. Well, how could, why would, what about, I don't know. I can't answer all your questions about hell. Except you don't want to have anything to do with it. The interesting thing is the next line. I've come to realize heaven is also a world of fear. There are two different kinds of fears. We've talked about this. A fear of something that makes you want to withdraw and pull away. But then there's a fear of something that makes you want to get closer. You seen those crazy people who chase storms? They want to get right in the thick of that thing? Where the most of us are hiding, right? Running the other way. That's a good illustration of God, too. People who love God and trust God and have faith in God and their hope is in God and their joy is in God, when we understand the fullness of His awesomeness, that which repels some people, He's too harsh, attracts others. He's too forgiving. He's got grace. He's offering mercy. He gave His only Son. We need to see it all together. And the fear that is in heaven is the fear of the Lord. It's the fear that leads to worship, not hiding. Write that down. In heaven, the fear of the Lord will lead us to fall before Him and worship Him, acknowledging all of His power, all of His authority, King of kings, Lord of lords, the beginning and the end, the author, the sustainer, the creator of all things. We should tremble before that kind of power, but we don't withdraw, we fall down because He invites us in. We keep our eyes open and He says deeper, further, come, come, know me, be with me, see my hands, come, join me. That's the proper fear of the Lord and it leads to joy. Job 26, 11 rightfully observes that the pillars of heaven tremble. Why? Why does heaven, why is anything in heaven trembling? I thought it was all angels on clouds and harps and babies and sweet. No. It's the presence of God. And everything in heaven is going to tremble at the presence of God. Psalm 89, 7 puts it this way. A God greatly to be feared in the counsel of his holy ones. Those are the holy angels. A God greatly to be feared in the counsel of his holy ones and awesome above all who are around him. Eternal joy just to be near God. Every time someone has a vision of who God is, Abraham, Jacob, David, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, The disciples at the transfiguration, John, Peter, 
everyone who has a vision of God in his fullness, what do they do? Thump. They fall down and tremble in the presence of the God they love. And they find joy. Trembling, fearful joy. To what we were meant to do. You were built by God to tremble at his presence, to worship him, and to love every minute of it. And when you put those three things together, trembling, worshiping, loving it, that's my definition of the word joy. Trembling before God, worshiping God, and loving him forever. That's the eternal joy we are talking about. The greatness of eternal joy comes in knowing the tragedy of eternal loss. You can never know the fullness of joy until you really understand your own lostness, your own brokenness, your own need for a Savior. And that's, that's why I think this is an appropriate Christmas message. I was lost and now I'm found. Had to start small, had to get bigger, had to go a certain direction. Jesus always knew it was going to end with his suffering. He always knew that, and he did it anyway. He knew that he was going to have to be murdered, crucified. He knew he was going to have to be separated from God. He knew he was going to have to be separated from his disciples. He knew it, and he did it anyway. I got, I'm going to help you here. You're going to suffer. You're going to die, and you can't do anything about it. Except, right now, commit all of you to all of Him. And then there's nothing else to be afraid of. There's nothing else to be afraid of. When we fear the Lord, there is nothing else to fear. Write that down. When we fear the Lord... There's nothing else to fear. Sherry Bell. There's nothing else to fear. Doesn't mean bad things won't happen. Doesn't mean we, we shouldn't make plans to avoid some pain, you know? We should brush our teeth. <laughs> Not because God's going to relieve me of all that. <laughs> Don't take that too personally, but. We can do things to avoid a certain amount of pain and suffering and take care of ourselves. We can, we can train our kids up. We can teach them to look both ways. Not because we have some weird kind of faith. Well, you don't ever have to worry about anything because God's going to take care of you. He doesn't take care of stupid people when they do stupid things. He lets them die a stupid death. There's a lot of practicality to that too. He gives you a brain so you'll learn to use it. He shows you death so you'll do your best to manage your life in such a way that you don't kill yourself. He wants you to live and breathe and move and do things, but all of your life is not about living and breathing and doing things. There's this undercurrent through all of the Bible that there's more to life than the life we are living. Do you feel that? Do you believe that? There's more to life. That's why in Psalm 47, shout to God with songs of joy and fear the Lord most high. That's good stuff. That's what it's there for. 
I'm going to back up to a slide I, I, I skipped because I like it. Christian author C.S. Lewis puts his finger on my problem. Craig is a half-hearted creature. He's not careful. He'll fool about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is being offered. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot even imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. Don't be too easily pleased. The things that this world offers are easy. And a lot of them are pleasurable for a short amount of time. (laughs) We are too easily pleased by small things, by temporary things. God wants us to fear Him so we have nothing else to fear. And when we fear Him, we finally realize mud pie, eternal life. The fear of the Lord shows you who you are covered and who you should be in Jesus. The Christian life is weird. We know we're nothing, but we know we're everything. God gives us all things, but we could die with nothing. It's so many paradoxes and upside-down truths. Shout for joy. Shout for joy. The Lord Most High is to be feared. To be feared. I want to simplify that, uh, that verse for you. Right there. Shout with joy. If I cut out all the, the unnecessary elements of those two verses and I boil it down to the, the main idea, the main character, the main verbs... The principal nouns, it is that. Shout with joy, for the Lord is to be feared, because fear, fear leads to joy. Don't let this Christmas go by where all you get are the good feels, the good memories, and good experiences with other people. We need a fresh vision of the majesty and the greatness and the size of God, the power and the work of Jesus Christ. He who was everything became very small, was born in obscurity, was born into oppression. His people were being ruled by another people. There was no room for them in the end. They made him be born out of sight, in a stable, placed into a feeding trough. You really can't get much more humble than that. He who was everything was born like that. He who deserves all praise then took up the cross, a symbol of shame, mocking, torture, suffering, and he overcame the grave. He who was perfect became more perfect through suffering. I got one more thing in the bag. What do you think it is? 
Jesus is coming again. His coming is going to eclipse and fulfill and bring to pass everything he's already done. All leading up to this. No, 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 no bloody lamb in there. But I do have this. <laughs> That's been sitting in my office for years. I never knew what to do with it. It's just one of those awkward things. The lion of the tribe of Judah is going to make everything okay. Scary? You bet. Ferocious? Without a doubt. He's coming to make all things right. Come to him. Come to him. He's gracious. He's merciful. He's doing everything to bring all things together for your good, if you'll love Him and if you'll trust Him. Jesus is coming back to establish eternal joy in God's presence. Stand with me as we pray. Faith is only possible because God is faithful. Joy is only possible because God is joyful over us first. If you want to have greater joy in your life, you need a greater understanding of Jesus. You have got to understand He's more than a baby. You have got to understand He's done more than die for your sins. He wants to be the Lord, the ruler, the master of your life, now and forevermore. We need a full picture of who God is in order to be the people with a full joy. Bow your heads. Let's pray. God, teach us what it means to live with joy in a world of pain and suffering. Teach us what it means to shout with joy, to work with joy, even to suffer and cry and weep with joy. We don't want to fear anything more than we fear you. We want you to be first and foremost in our hearts and in our minds. We want a living hope. We want a life of faith. God, deliver us from a musty, downcast, religious Christianity. We need a Jesus who is alive and well, who is changing us, convicting us, and saving us. Thank you that you are a God filled with joy. Help us to live for you in Jesus' name. Sing with us, please. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare Him room. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and nature sing. And heaven and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs imply, while fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains.
scripture for today is from Ephesians chapter 3 it's verses 19 or no verses 20 and 21 now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever amen, amen. you are dismissed <laughs>